Hi, I'm Paul Havershoud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. There is a new play that brings together deaf and hearing actors on stage to tell a story inspired by a Shakespearean play. Now, they are not using words. They're also not using sign language. They're using a new sort of physical language. And the point is for anyone to be able to understand it. You'll hear my chat with Ramesh Mayapan. He's a deaf performer who directed the show. I'm Talia Schlanger sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. As a deaf person, Ramesh Mayapan has spent his whole life communicating visually. That's also been at the heart of his practice as an actor and a person who makes theater. He's toured over 20 countries over the years performing what's known as visual or physical theater. So this is storytelling without relying on spoken language or sign language. His latest production is based on a Shakespeare play. So typically you would imagine a whole lot of talking. Uh, It's inspired by a reconceived version of Lady Macbeth. It's called Lady M or Margaret. And it's the premier production of Toronto's 1S1 Theatre. This is a deaf-led theatre company. The play, Lady M, stars both hearing and deaf actors who learn to communicate with each other and with the audience using the vocabulary of their bodies. This is what drives Ramesh Mayapan to create. And I was so happy to greet him in the Q studio, along with his interpreter, Sheila Johnston, to learn more about it. Ramesh spoke in sign language, so the voice you're going to hear is Sheila's. Welcome to Q. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to talk about your new play, But first, I'm really curious about what drew you to theater in the first place? What sparked your interest? That's a a long way back. Uh, I was born in southern India and um, moved to Singapore. And when I was four... um, I, I loved thin, a film in India, right? It's very big. And I lived in a village, and to see film was fascinating, although, of course, I couldn't follow the conversations, but you could watch the action and, the, and try to figure out from their facial expressions who was the good guy, who was the bad guy, you know, if you know Indian uh, film. Uh, I was only four years old when I then moved to Singapore. And Singapore, of course, culturally is different. The language is different. Um, That was a real change for me. But there was a deaf theater company in Singapore. And when I was, you know, a younger person, I actually went to the deaf theater and saw theater being done without spoken language and without signed language. It was visual language. It was physical language. And... It was fascinating to me to see how these people were communicating with us, the audience. It had a tremendous impact on me. And I was fascinated with communication, but specifically how do people who hear and people who are deaf communicate with each other? I've certainly gone to hearing theater, and there are hearing people who do physical theater, 
but I was intrigued by how we could see some overlap in that. And I wanted to discover ways that we could communicate with each other. And also, I wanted to look at storytelling. How does one tell a story without spoken dialogue or signed dialogue? How do we show the characters and the intent behind them? And I would you know, look at scripts. I'm not... Uh, I used growing up, literature was not really my thing because many deaf people have difficulties in uh, barriers in the education system, which is problematic in in a broader sense. But I would look at mm. the stories and I could imagine what they would look like. I could see the characters come to life. And I believe mm. that really is what led me into live theater. And I've been in it ever since. And that was not a short answer, was it? No, but it was a beautiful answer. And I can see the passion in your body as you're telling me your story and what what made you want to do this. So how do you go from the interest that was sparked into figuring out how to tell stories with your body? Tell me about your training. I've had a very strong foundation in mine, Mm -hmm. but I found it limiting. And I saw that there were hearing actors who were involved in physical theater, and I found that very interesting. Um, uh, Comedia... Dell'arte. Dell'arte, yes. Yes, so I discovered that and began to look at that style of how to communicate using the body, and it spoke to me, it really did. I connected with that. And then, of course, looking at movement, dance, uh, physical elements that could be uh, turned into visual language. So not looking at spoken or signed dialogue, but how do you use those elements to tell a story? And I try to draw from all of those backgrounds and just make one big pot of of sort of creativity. I like to play with the the way deaf people think, hearing people think, the different cultures that they bring to the table and mix those together. And I believe you can begin to tell stories that way. I want to look at what does the story, first of all, tell me. It's not simply about movement or simply adding signs or, uh, for example, using puppetry. If, if that's forced, then it's not going to work. We have to discover what the story has to say and what does the story need in order to tell itself. So, for example, with Lady M., the current production I'm involved with, we looked at the physicality. Does Mime didn't work here. Uh, there are certain aspects of physical theater. We have a fight scene, which is certainly very physical. We have hearing actors and we have deaf actors, but we really look at the intention behind the words that might be spoken or signed and how do we get that atten- intention to be seen in a natural way. I don't want to you know, throw in puppets if this isn't a story that needs puppets. Um, I think every day is a day to learn something new and, and to try something new. So I don't have a one sort of one style that fits all plays. You know, I'm working with Don, uh, one of the actors uh, named Josh, and another actor, Sterla. And two, the two male actors are, are hearing, and Don is deaf. And I don't want the audience to go, oh, look at those guys can hear. Oh, that person is deaf. The characters don't speak to uh, their hearing or their deafness. 
They speak as characters. They are on the stage telling the story. And it doesn't matter if they hear or if they're deaf. I see all of the actors as equals, and it's a beautiful process. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to my conversation with Ramesh Mayapan. He's a director and actor who is deaf, so Ramesh spoke to me in sign language. The voice you're hearing is his interpreter, Sheila Johnston. Uh, Ramesh has directed this new work called Lady M that brings together deaf and hearing actors on stage. And I wanted to know more about what it was like for Ramesh to witness and to really facilitate that kind of collaboration. Well, you know, Two of the actors, as I mentioned, uh, the character of Duncan and Macbeth, uh, which is Josh and Sterla, knew no signs really coming into this uh, this exploration. We used sign language interpreters, but as the process unfolded, they also began to learn sign. We had sign language classes offered for the actors, but I also made sure that they understood that we were going to reach a place where they wouldn't be using sign language interpreters to communicate with any of the deaf members of the crew, right, or, or myself as director, Don as the actor, and that we had to get beyond and past hearing versus deaf. And instead, we really needed to break down that. And it was fascinating to watch Joshua and Sterla try to creatively find ways to say something without going through an interpreter. And I didn't want them to have to use interpreters because if they weren't relying on interpreters, that meant they could get in touch with the story. And they would find the way to communicate with that audience because that audience is going to be both hearing and deaf patrons. And they had to find it within themselves. They had to find the movement. They had to find ways of of looking at each other, just subtle ways of communicating that didn't require spoken or signed language. How do you get around the barrier of language and make the communication happen? It was a fascinating process. And it's also really beautiful to watch this unfold. For example, just yesterday, uh, we were look, we were doing a scene where there's where Lady M is drinking out of a glass, and there's a lot of tension in the scene. You and she was going to eventually she drops the glass, but how do you see the tension build when it's not spoken about? It's there's nothing there that's said or signed. But how do you show physically the tension that, that, in the end, the climax of the broken glass? It's all about the intention. And getting to intention is not an easy thing. Another example is when two of the characters uh, are, t- are walking up to a gravesite. Uh, they're about to bury the, the child. And there's a sense of dreamlike quality 
And at that moment, one of the characters is actually sucked back from that dreamlike scape into the present. So you don't, we don't want to just say, oh, let's turn around and take this person off the stage. Everything flows together. Shakespeare is famous for having a lot of words. What made you want to tell this particular story of Macbeth in this way? Well, Shakespeare's Macbeth is one of my favorite plays. I, I must say that. It, you know, it, so much is contained within that. Who, who doesn't like a good murder? Uh, some nice betrayal thrown in, a little violence and guilt <laughs> just to top it off. So, you know, there's so much contained in that. And there's, you know, power, ambition, all of that. But I, I chose to be inspired by the concept of guilt mm. and the impact that guilt has on Lady M, Margaret, and Macbeth. And how does that dynamic play out? Um, so Lady M's guilt certainly has an impact on herself and her husband, Macbeth. But they are living with that guilt and huge grief as well. So really what I see is the two are at war within their own home. And and there's a battle to save their marriage. So I, I was inspired by Shakespeare's Macbeth, uh, but this is definitely an inspiration. I directed 24 years ago a uh, rendition of Macbeth, and it was done in sort of classic Macbeth, but done without sign or without spoken dialogue. But I used the classic tale. This play 24 years later is very different, but I find myself still inspired by the concept of Macbeth. And I see the, the text differently. I think that Shakespeare's uh, Lady Macbeth has been often characterized as scheming and, you know, ambitious. Um, and I wanted to look at that differently because this inspired rendition of Lady M delves into the character of Lady M, exploring terms of motherhood, womanhood, um, and ambition, and the in inevitability of what came out. Is it really that inevitable? Does she need to be stereotyped in the way, stereotyped in the way she has been? Who is this person? Maybe she's somebody who does what she does to protect her family. We want to explore what happens when somebody will do anything to keep the family safe at all costs, at absolutely all costs. And so she is really the driving force, and that's what's behind this ambition, to keep this family safe. So the play sounds very entertaining and beautiful. Beyond entertainment, what do you want people to take away from coming to see Lady M? Whew. That's a big question, uh, and that's a hard one to answer. Um, I would s there's really a lot of reasons that I did this play, and I want the audience to see that there are deaf actors out there that 
who can perform a play such as this, but more than that, that deaf and hearing actors can work together and somehow come up with a language that everyone understands. And if we can see on the stage that that can happen, does the audience then not begin to consider their own possibilities? Can we talk to each other as humans without having to share a language? Through all of this, I'm hoping that what they see on stage, they see Lady M, they see the mother that she was, the woman that she was, who's lost a child. Maybe there, for some women in the audience, they've had that experience as well. I want us to find things that connect us. I want, it's a human story. And it's a human story I want them to be able to see. It's been a joy to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. It's so beautiful to watch how you express yourself. And I am, I'm a person who does not speak ASL. And I have the, the benefit of having Sheila uh, interpret for this, this hearing person. But if I had to just look at you as you were speaking now, I feel that I would have understood most of what you've had to say because of the way that you express yourself with your face and your body. And it's really... Um, it's, I'm finding it very moving. It's just really beautiful and, and is un, unlocking my mind in a way that I'm grateful to you for. Oh, well, thank you very much for saying that. And I'm hoping that the audience can leave with an open mind, as you just said. I hope it does open their minds to other possibilities. Uh, and uh, I don't want people to fixate on the fact that somebody is deaf or hearing. I want people to come and see the collaboration between humans. And we don't need to be separate. We don't need to be siloed or compartmentalized. I hope they leave with that. And I I'm, appreciate you saying it's opened your mind, and I'm hoping that you're not the only one that, that will feel that way. I'm sure. Thank you. That was my conversation with Ramesh Mayapan with uh, thanks to his interpreter, Sheila Johnston. Ramesh's latest play is called Lady M, Margaret. Uh, it's the first performance from a brand new deaf-led Canadian theatre company called 1S1. I don't want to overstate this, but it was such an honour to talk to Ramesh. And as somebody who thinks about communication a lot in all different forms, it really opened my mind. Uh, I cannot wait to see the show. It's running from August 5th through the 12th at the Summerworks Performance Festival in Toronto. That's it for this episode of the podcast, but you can find another episode in your feed right now. It is Tom Powers' wide-ranging conversation with Kristen Chenoweth. You might know her voice as uh, Glinda, the good witch from Wicked. She's this amazing Broadway star, also a TV actor. And one of the standout stories is this, this harrowing accident that happened to her on set where she heard action, she blinked, she woke up in the hospital, and it changed her life, and it changed the way she wanted to advocate for herself. So a whole bunch of life lessons shared in a very delightful way by Kristen Chenoweth in your feed right now. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. I'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.